Welcome back to Know Thy User, a marketing podcast brought to you by RivalMind, a results-driven digital marketing agency. I'm your host, Josiah Flex, and I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, my brother, Isaac Flex. Isaac is the Director of Member Development at TMA, the Technology and Manufacturing Association. Isaac, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. So first off, can you just tell us a little bit about TMA, your role, and then we'll kind of kick into all kinds of marketing conversations after that. Absolutely. So TMA is an independent trade association established in 1925. Uh, we have a network of about 900 uh, members, as we call them, but they're 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 uh, as both suppliers and manufacturers, and we help our members maintain and grow their businesses through industry specific services, and those are more broadly uh, kind of a one stop shop covering almost every aspect of their business: uh, right. community connection, information, training, resources, advocacy. So, as a small and mid sized manufacturer, you pretty much have a solution to most challenges. Dang. So, what is your what does your role look like in a little bit in that interaction with? Yeah, current members, prospective members and whatnot. Yeah, so my role is officially, it's more of the sales side. Now it's evolved over the last five years quite a bit. So I'm I'm now 100% all new business. And so from that, I have the marketing arm kind of involved, but a lot of it is is how do we communicate the message of TMA to a very busy business owner that has yeah. a lot of challenges, especially here in Illinois, and how do we effectively communicate how we can solve their problems and make their lives a little bit easier? So that's kind of my job. But at the end of the day, it's new business, it's new growth, because as the, the you know larger the organization, the more powerful we can, you know, our benefits can be the benefits that our, our members can gain. Mm -hmm. So as a association, right, it's different than you guys, you know, selling a product or whatnot. How, what would you say you're selling or what would you say you're marketing? Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the best and the worst part about associations. <laughs> and those that are in the industry know, especially for us, um, we're, we're, we're very broad when it comes to the services. So it's really looking at an entire company as to what sort of challenges do they need. So they're all, it's all service driven. So for instance, there was a national survey done at all trade associations, you know, of all, you know, reasons, shapes and sizes. And everyone said when their results came back in was, well, why are you, why are you part of your organization? And you wouldn't guess the number one reason, connection. They want to know what other business owners and people like them are doing and feeling and experiencing, and they want to share best practices. They want to learn. That's why they're part of associations. So the most important thing I think that we do is connect our members together to either do business, to learn from each other, uh, to be suppliers for one another many times or referral sources. There's so many different avenues, but it's the magic of people, which is difficult because a product you can predict people you always can't. Um, however, the magic is when you get people in the room that are like, hey, I do this and you do this. Well, what if we did that together and their businesses can explode both, you know, because of the, the mutual benefit that they'll gain instead of trying to do it all themselves. That's unique because I think even in, you know, as we're talking about different marketing efforts, like the idea of people that do similar things instead of like fighting against each other, being like, hey, what are ways that we can actually be uh essentially fighting on the same team like can you speak to that a little bit of that reality of like okay you know as a association you're bringing together a bunch of like-minded people but i would have to imagine that there's some level of like two companies do the same thing like how, <laughs> yeah. how do they share that that's a great question actually i had a conversation earlier today uh with a supplier who has a lot of other similar companies it was a bank there's other banks that are involved and they specifically were like well 
you know, yes, we may have, I, I found that most businesses at first blush are, you, you think that they're competitors. So if you're a bank, you obviously are competing against other banks, mm -hmm. but that's actually not true. Banks are actually working uh, kind of almost in tandem with each other, as well as they all have their, their niche. Now, for manufacturing, we actually had a, had a guest come to one of our brew hours, and we had another member that showed up, and they both were like, mm, I do what you do. And I was like, well, this is kind of awkward, but here's the magic of it. They got talking, and they realized, they're like, no, actually, we are we're, we're, we should be referral sources to each other. Mm. And this prospective member was so stoked that they were able to go there and meet this company that they didn't know about. Now they have a source of new business. And he came back to me and said, look, that's exactly what I'm looking for in an association is to get connected with people I wouldn't talk to. And when you, when you peel back the, the onion a little bit, you find out most folks are not that com directly competing with one another. There are some, there's definitely, I'll tell you that, there definitely are competitors out there, but most realize there's lots of fish in the sea. And so there's so much work to go around. And if you utilize the relationship well, you both can help each other and both improve your bottom line. Mm. And that's a huge, I think that's a, that's a great distinction to make. Like, instead of thinking of everything as just a, uh, everyone is against me or that like competitive nature, obviously mm -hmm. there's still competitive nature, but you're, you're making each other better as you spur on, oh, you do this, I do this. How can I, you know, yeah. get more clients to you that do the thing that you really are excellent at and vice versa. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So in, let's kind of, we'll zoom back a little bit and then we'll zoom back in. Sure. Marketing as a whole, let's take a few minutes and kind of start to peel back the layers of what is marketing? Um, who are your marketers? Is it just your salespeople? Is it um, mm -hmm. people that interact with your business at any time? Let's let's dive into that. What would be your first thought on what is marketing? Yeah, that's such a broad word. I think marketing can mean so many different things to so many different people. The way that I view it, I think in simplest terms, is anytime you're you have a prospective customer looking at your business. So that could be online. That could be something that you're sending out to them. Uh, that could be one of your current customers. It's really anything that's that's leading up to the sale is marketing indirectly. And you know, like SEO is marketing because you're elevating that brand so that when prospective you know individuals are looking at your company, they see something that they like, right? Or that you're able to be found. Um, so I'd say any interesting for us as an association, we've grown organically for a very long time. We're also 100 years old. And the last couple of years, we've been really tapping into additional marketing avenues and that have been very successful that just haven't been tapped into as much. Most of it, because it's it's such a people business, it's John and Osalino's gym making the introduction like, hey, you should come to this event or hey, I use one of those services and it transformed my business or whatever it might be. Right. Those are the stories that get people involved because it's, again, people, it's not a product. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways we can go in this conversation. So in regards to uh, building trust throughout a bunch of different conversations we've had on all the different podcasts trust has kind of been like the bedrock of any marketing effort, right? Any, mm -hmm. All of us know the sleazy person who's trying to sell us something that we don't want anyways, or we don't trust them versus somebody that is actually providing value. Can you speak to that idea of establishing trust, providing value as the bedrock for marketing? Mm -hmm. Well, I think marketing needs to have the mindset of the receiver of the information, whatever it is. So I always just every day think about, all right, 
if I was not involved in this, I didn't have this role, it's not my job, uh-huh. would I be happy with this outreach or with the way the brand looks or with how we're presenting something? So I'm always viewing the, that the lens through through that view. And so when you're when you're looking at it from that direction, you end up kind of always thinking about, well, will this make someone feel, it's all about feelings because trust is a feeling. Mm-hmm. I guess you get trust by repetitive good feelings. Like someone that you're friends with, you have like a girl, you know, you know, someone 10 years, you like them because you've had repeated positive experiences with them over the long haul. So that indeed, when there is a, an ask, you, you've got that strong uh, bridge between you and the other person. So I think marketing is building that, that good feeling, that good rapport, uh, that goodwill. And it can be, in, I mean, that can mean a lot of things, but I think for me, that's, it's goodwill into the market, into the people that potentially might have a problem that you can solve. How do you rebuild trust, right? Like if trust is repetitive, you know, good feelings, right? Not every company does it perfectly to where there's always good feelings every single time. <laughs> so like, what are, what are some ways, right? Cause in that conversation of marketing trust is the bedrock. Hmm. What if you start to lose some of that trust or something like how do you regain that? Well, that's more of like almost like a, a customer uh, satisfaction where you're talking about where with the, is this a customer or a perspective? Either one. Okay. If it's a, I think either way you fall on your sword. So if you did a, something wrong or they didn't like what you did, you immediately apologize mm. and you validate their feelings about whatever it is, whether <laughs> you agree with it or not. The, the customer or the potential customer is always right because again, it's how they feel about it. Mm. Um, I would say that's, that's kind of the rule number one, fall on your sword. And what's crazy is it works because then the customer says, all right, I didn't like what you did, but you're making it right. You're not blaming me. You're taking right. responsibility. And that actually turns out to be a better thing. It's, it's, oh, there was a study and I don't remember uh, all the specifics, but the, they surveyed like your longest best customers across businesses. Now it's a little broad, but one of the common threads was they found that your best customer typically is someone that you really fumbled the football on at one point <laughs> or another. And what they found is that if you do everything perfect, there's not, there's nothing, you know, it's like, it's not a relationship. Relationships have ups and downs. And mm-hmm. I think in business as well, you have that. But if you're able to have a down moment and you make a mistake, but yet you can rebuild that and again, fall on your sword, find out how you can make it right. If, if indeed you can save them and they don't totally leave and hate you and they, and they come back in, they'll be loyal for, for a very long time. Mm. How do you, um, how do you figure out or how do you measure a, um, a marketing effort, whether it's internal, um, keeping current, uh, clients, right. As like an internal marketing, right. Mm-hmm. Like educating someone and like an external, um, marketing effort. What are some metrics that can be used to kind of measure that, right? We know trust is one of them, mm-hmm. right? And that's something is kind of an intangible, but you can kind of, uh, feel some of that. People will tell you when they don't like you or don't yeah. like what you did. Like, how do you measure different marketing efforts, right? Be it digital, be it email, be it like, how do you start to get some objective and subjective metrics together? That is difficult. I wish I had a perfect answer for that. <laughs> I think every marketer out there is like, please give me the answer. Yeah, if I had that, that would, I would, yeah, that'd be amazing. I think it's, you have to measure success within your company. So you got to know 
what it what what is your company goals mm. and once you know that then it's is it moving the needle towards that so in in the association world it's a little simpler when it says you're looking to bring a new business and you're looking to keep that business because it's an association it's dues driven so engagement and retention of those member companies is really important right so we look at the retention numbers as you know a retaining of the the current customer and then as far as outreach i think we also look at it as are we getting new members? And I know that's kind of broad because I, it depends on the length of the sale. Now I'm talking more sales now. Mm -hmm. Some I've had customers where I will reach out with a one cold email and land them the next week. They don't, they've never heard of me. They've never heard of TMA and it's, it rings all the bells for them and they're just stoked and they join. Literally that's happened many, many times, but I've also had plenty where I've been working on them over time for at least three years. And, and so, you know, define, uh, some might say, well, well, your, your efforts are not successful. It's like, well, it's almost, we, we're doing the same thing between two different things. There's that variable of awareness and timing. And that's on the sales side. We have to kind of read the room and ask if you have a, a conversation, you've, you've made contact with the customer. It's more on the sales side, less of the marketing. Yeah. You then have to ask the right questions and draw out where's their pain points and what's their timing looking like do they have is this a pain point that they feels like super duper urgent well then let's let's help them make a decision that's right it's go do time it. yeah but Call if they're like do the thing if they're like hey i gotta talk to uh you know up seven layers up, up the flagpole in my business well that's gonna take a while but i still keep up with them and we still have an effort that keeps our company and i think every brand should have that while that process is going along especially for the more complex sales so as far as a, a definitive metric it's it's so custom to your business and how you define success mm. yeah knowing your business knowing your audience and knowing what marketing efforts actually work and to some level right there's not like hard data all the time on this always works or this doesn't work specifically with tma how do you go about building like a champion for your business like someone who's whether it's someone who you know had a challenging experience and you won them back like how do you make someone an ambassador for your company or a marketer if you will mm. well this is actually a program we have internally that evolved over time because as we've done good work for our customers they naturally talk about it to other people and then they're like hey you know there's a random company we don't know that's now joining the association and so we, we said well that's a big deal we want to elevate the person that made the recommendation and so what we have is an ambassador club that gives you perks uh, recognition you know a special dinner some kudos to know you're in the inner circle because it means a lot when when a current customer goes out of their way to go talk to their one of their customers mm -hmm. or friends or colleagues and tell them about it that's a big deal and we really elevate that and then over the years we've built different levels you can go to and uh we, we did a survey which was very helpful i think ambassador programs are not you know or referral programs are not anything new but you have to build it to your business but one size fits all doesn't work you can google ambassador programs and they won't all work for every business. I just know it because I've done it <laughs> and I've looked at other things. You have to know who's my customer and what motivates them. And what we did in our team, I was like, well, we should put out a survey to our current customers that have referred new business and say, why, why do you do that? Surveys are always scary. How did you make that leap of like, you know what? We're gonna ask for this. Who knows what they're gonna say? Yeah, it was a little scary because we had our own opinions of why they did what they did. 
and you know not everyone participated per se but we got pretty you know about 90 percent response for the wow. group that we have which is pretty high but we gave a, a number of options for them we made a multiple choice but kind of drilled it into getting to the why behind what they're doing and guess what we found that your best ambassador does it for the right reasons meaning they have intrinsic uh meaning and motivation to do it mm -hmm. not external forces to make them do it now they they i think you know from a nugget it's not like someone's going to turn down a nice dinner or a, a, a kudos or a shout out or something like that of course they'll all love it but when you boil it down they were like even if that wasn't there we believe in the product or the experience or you know the service and so we're going to talk about it no matter what and when that came back it was like wow so what we need to do is focus in on having a really good service and a really good experience because that is the driver for why they're talking about it. And it circles back to in marketing, you can't, if you have a crappy product, it's a crappy product. And I don't, I don't really care how much marketing you have. It will, you know, yes, you work your numbers, but if you want to have organic growth, it has to be good. And it really has to make a difference in the, in the lives of the customer. Otherwise... You're kind of just swimming doggy, you know, doggy paddle and hoping to survive in, in the market. You really got to you got to be making, you know, a home run or two pretty consistently with your customers. Yeah, because it's people. Yeah. Right. Like it's people that are, you know, having experiences or um, or, you know, buying a product and being like, oh, well, you said it was this and it wasn't. Or you said, that, you know, this was the service I was going to get and either it exceeded it or it met it or it was below right and so mm -hmm. the idea of like okay you know whatever you're selling whatever it's a, whether it's a product or a service you're building a reputation somehow whether it's for something that's really really good and that's what you'll be known for or the more people buy and the more people you know actually move from the marketing effort into the sale either they'll be your ambassador for forever or they'll be the ambassador of the ways that your company didn't provide in the right way yeah, you're 100% right. Your customer, I think, is one of the more powerful tools you have as a marketer. And if your product is really good, people talk about it. If it's really bad, people talk about it even more. They say bad news travels faster than good news. That's true in business. So any failure or blunder will get more uh, eyeballs and attention than a great win for your customer. So I think that even elevates the importance of really, really highlighting the wins and making sure that your customers know about it, that your um, community is aware of the good things that you're doing so that that goodwill continues to build and grow because mistakes will happen and it's you know impossible to avoid them. But if you focus on the wins and continually build that list of good rapport within your customer, whenever there are certain mistakes, it won't be detrimental and you won't lose customers or things of that nature. Mm knowing your audience <laughs> yep it unfortunately comes down to that you get knowing who you're calling on why you're calling on them what challenges are they facing and I, another piece to it is i what i've realized from an email marketing standpoint i used to think that email emails themselves needed to be super fancy and like slick and look absolutely perfect mm -hmm. and i found that that's really not true at all at least for, so. for the group that i call on which are 
small and mid-sized manufacturing companies, these guys are extremely busy. They are producing product that goes out the door at a deadline that needs to be met. So yeah. most important, you know, you have raw materials coming in, it's being modified, machined, changed, assembled, and then out the door. That's their world. They live inside that box. So if you're going to get in that world, you have to be cut and dry and have instant value for them. They don't want fluff. They don't want a sales pitch. They want how, you know, can you really help me and prove it to me? And so like now, <laughs> yeah, like in this email, it should not take me a long time to read. It shouldn't be confusing. You should be talking my language as a manufacturer. And I found that the more and more our messaging was was towards that end, the the response rates, the replies, the open rates, boop, 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 just, I mean, it, it really was incredible to see. And I saw the ones that I thought were like, oh, that looks so nice. They didn't care about it. Man, that's some, those are some solid nuggets you just tossed out there. <laughs> Would you say at large, we're going to kind of get into, into TMA specifically for a second, but would you say most of your efforts are focused on, you know, gaining clients externally or retaining clients? Or I guess the question I'm kind of mm -hmm. pecking at a little bit is when does marketing stop? Mm -hmm. Does it stop? Where are the lines? Those sorts of things. Can you speak to that a little bit? That's a great question. Uh, in, in my mind, we actually had a, a team call earlier in the year and we had this, we were kind of um, renovating our onboarding process for our members and we want to enhance that experience and one of the pieces was let's say I'm working with a customer or a member now and they're you know a year and a half in so mm -hmm. I've been slowly working with them through various outreach mostly calls and emails um, and social using LinkedIn and all that and let's say that they join the important part is to not stop doing what got them in whatever you did to get them engaged should be maintained i think through that through that next step as a customer mm. now you need to modify it and maybe a little more pretty and maybe a little more custom and may have more information than not you know because they got an exclusive experience now but the the pace and the cadence shouldn't go from like like 1 to 100 or 100 to 1 because i think that there's that's incongruent just as it makes sense from i think as a customer i'd be a little annoyed or confused if i'm had this experience i believe you know through the process of being sold and in the marketing i'm like okay this is what i'm expecting and if those don't align their expectations are going to be off either too low or too high and then you just have a unsatisfied customer so i think the the, the folks that are the customer success managers are really important because they need to make sure that all the efforts of the sales team and the marketing team <laughs> doesn't go down the drain because <laughs> they need to keep that pace going and I would say almost customize it to what the customer wants. Yeah, so it's, it sounds like if I'm hearing you right, marketing doesn't end. No. It maybe so. changes forms, yeah. right, from you know before the sale to after the sale, but marketing is just you're, you're keeping your business, what you do well in front of someone, whether they're someone who's interested whether they're a current client or not whoever's interested like that's that's where the where the effort is and i kind of baited you into that question a little bit but that <laughs> that's it's an interesting concept to me is that marketing doesn't end and shouldn't end because it's it's about people and you're actually caring about someone and providing value yeah. like value is the 
I know we're, we're talking about all kinds of layers and bedrock of trust and value and knowing your audience. All of those pieces are, are huge. What would you say has been either the most effective marketing tool for TMA so far? And well, let's start there and then I'll ask a, a follow-up question. What do you think is mm -hmm. the most effective marketing effort TMA has done? Man, I would, I would probably have a, a one, two kind of answer. Um, I, I think first and foremost, social. We, we really amplified our social media activity, uh, the quality of the postings. And I like, I use a lot of LinkedIn. We of course post on like all the platforms, but for me, I'm really tracking LinkedIn because that's where a lot of the business professionals are that we're calling on. And I can't tell you how many uh, either potential customers will reach out to us through our inquiry form. And I'll be like, hey, you know, how did, how'd you find out about us? And then many times it's, oh, I saw your, your post and, or I saw, well, a lot of times we empower our members to post about their experience, which is even better. And they'll tag us. And it's using that, that, hey, we're posting about them and they're going to post about us. And so that elevates both of the brands and builds trust for other people to see and to hop onto that bandwagon. So I'd say social is really powerful, probably our, our best tool. And secondarily, as, as odd as it sounds, is cold emails and cold calls. Still works. I, is, is you my, do it right. Some some people say email is dead or cold calling is dead. I don't believe it. You it must not be doing it right because you gotta be very specific when you do that. You don't spam people. You research who you're calling on, why you're calling them, and why you're emailing them. And as long as it's within that framework, it should be ringing a bell for that customer. If and they'll let you know. But many times, if you put that thought into it, it's less of a I'm gonna throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks be more narrow and focused because it's not, I mean, cold calling and emailing is not that fun. And so you might as well be calling on people that potentially you think based on your research and your team's research are going to be potential customers. What do you think is an up and coming marketing platform or avenue that either hasn't been explored yet or is being formed or whatnot? Kind of as you look at what does or would marketing look like five years, 10 years, 15 down? down the road? Um, I mean, it, I think you're going to kind of have a, you know, it's like a pendulum swinging situation. So we live in like a hyper digital world, media, all that stuff. It's all digital. It's on the phones. It's, you know, computers. But I think the paper and kind of old school stuff is probably, mm. I sense that that's going to come back in, or at least it's going to have much more weight before it was the other way around. Everyone was doing paper mail and you know advertisements in the newspaper because people had physical stuff right now it's no one does that so when you do some of the old school handwritten notes that goes a long way uh you know from a, a, a marketing standpoint as well as a customer retention standpoint you're you're gonna i mean i don't know how often you get a handwritten note from your customers but or from a random company you don't know, but whenever you do that, it does kind of stand out at least more than a an email. I don't know. That's my, I'm not the expert, but I feel like <laughs> some of the, the old school stuff is going to come back just like, you know, our dad's old clothes are cool now, you know, 30, 40 years later, right? I think you're going to have some of that. And who doesn't <laughs> like opening up a note, like an actual letter yeah. that's like real, that's addressed to them or whatnot, right? Like for all of us, or most of us grab most of our mail, sift through all the stuff that we're going to throw away and look for the things that are cool and look for the things that are like, oh, this was this was written for me. Yes. That's interesting. So maybe, maybe paper's coming back. Maybe mail's coming back. What would you say, how, 
how does someone identify what marketing effort is right for them, right? So we know, right, there's associations, there's people that sell products that have just services. What are some ways, I know you can't give the like magic ticket for everybody, sure. but what are some ways for a company to identify, hey, this is at least a marketing effort you should try if you haven't yet? You know, it's, it's I, I think that's a great question. I, I would say you need to understand the team that you have. So scaling your marketing with the team that you currently have in-house and understanding folks, you know, their, your team's strengths and weaknesses is a big deal. Um, you can't do everything. You don't have, I mean, unless you're a really big company, you don't have the bandwidth or the budget to do every possible marketing channel. So I, I think to prioritize it, you have to, I would say you pick your top three and pay attention to those three things. Start doing three, and it's about the consistency of it. Do three things really, really consistently, track it, and see how it's going. Don't try to do everything all at once because it's like trying to send 20 trains out of the station. It's just like, you know, you don't feel like you're making any progress. You're like, right. there's a lot of steam everywhere. It's just chaos. It's it's noisy. But if you, you know, have three trains that are going out the station, it's more manageable. You can track how, where it is. Is it working? Is it not? And then modify as you go. I mean, of course, I think having your social and your podcasts and all of that, you got to be doing those things. You know, and just doing the basic blocking and tackling of cold email, cold calls, um, and then sprinkling in, of course, all of the other digital tools like SEO is super powerful. Making sure that your your digital presence is visible and interesting to look at because everyone is looking at that. Right. And I think that kind of that leads into another question of, okay, so you have to not only try a certain effort, but you have to have some way of measuring that effort. Right. And there's a, there's a timeline of that, right? How long do you try? Do you try it for three months? You try it for six months, you try it for a year and then assess or cause there's some strategies, some marketing efforts that are short-term strategies where you're like, okay, you're doing pay-per-click. Like you can't let that run. It's going to blow your budget. Right. You have to pay attention to that at a far more frequent rate. Whereas, you know, a, you know, email campaign or something like that. Can you speak to a little bit of how do you measure a marketing effort and how do you set like an expectation for timeline of mm. how long, how long should you be in this before you can figure out, oh yeah, this is worth it or this isn't worth it. What are some, what are some thoughts you would have on that piece? Well, I guess if I'm speaking to a small business or a medium sized business that is looking to grow their marketing efforts, you know, I'm not talking about a, a big, you know, huge fortune, you know, 100 company, they've got all that built in, they have the, that all internally. Yeah. But for a smaller company, most of America's small businesses, um, I would say you need to figure out best practices. Don't go and try and reinvent that wheel and try to literally do everything from scratch. I think a lot of small businesses do that because they're like, well, I don't know, so I gotta go figure it out. I think you do need to figure it out, but you really would be remiss to uh, not reach out to other networks, other companies, other specialized services and get their insight and figure out what benchmarks you can go off of so that, for instance, I could, you could willy-nilly say, hey, we need six months for this you know, marketing campaign to be effective. But if the industry says it's a 12-monther, um, you better adjust that or at least get closer. Maybe it's going to be nine months, something to where you have a, a buffer, a window so that you're not severely disappointed <laughs> or your expectations aren't way off. 
So, you know, as far as the specifics of which channel is going to be best for you, I would say you need to have a network to go to, a resource, a community to reach out to, uh, find a trusted, you know, digital uh, agency that can work together if you want to work with them and figure out what, what can you do in-house and what can you outsource. I'd say that's probably more broad. I can't, I don't want to go over my skis and try to give real specifics into how long should it be because there's so many variables for your product, your outreach, the, you know, the consistency, all of that, the numbers. Um, but I would say those overarching themes, ensuring that you have, you know, other resources speaking into your marketing project, not just your small team doing all of that lift. Because unless someone is a, is an expert in it, your whole team are experts, you know, you're going to have a lot of fumbling around the dark where that could be avoided with getting some other outside opinions Man. to at least give you a guide. You got to have a guide and then it's off to the races, right? Expectations have to be set somehow. And if you don't know the, the timeline of how long an effort should take yeah. and you can't measure success, uh, adequately or figure out whether this is something cause you don't, last thing you'd want to do is bail too soon on something, right? Or have a, an inaccurate like expectation. And then you try something and you're like, man, why isn't this happening fast enough? Or this is happening too slow or any of those things. So man, that that's huge. Well, unfortunately we are out of time for right now. Isaac, gosh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having Thank me. you everyone for listening and for watching. I'm your host, Josiah Flex. Join us next week on Know Thy User for another marketing conversation.